first of all, thank you everybody for coming. Pastor Herman, thank you for the opportunity to speak about our testimony and uh, about praying together as a married couple. So let me just open with a quick word of prayer real fast. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we love you, Father God. Right now, Lord Jesus, we just want to pray that your presence will be here, that our testimony and talking about prayer would touch somebody here and be a blessing to somebody here. Let your Holy Spirit flow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'll start with um, some, some scriptures that we like to read um, about praying. The first one is Leviticus 26.8. I don't have my old man glasses on, so it's kind of hard for me to see this right now. So I apologize for that. Yeah, that one's better. This Leviticus 26.8 states, five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. The next one is Deuteronomy 32.30. How could one man chase a thousand or put 10,000 to flight? So we believe as a married couple, there's power in prayer. The power of Multi, I can't read your hand right Multiplication. Multiplication. Praying together. <laughs> and as a married couple, we've seen the power of praying together, how it works. Um, at the beginning, when I was young, I was, every night before I went to bed, even as a kid, even though I was not really saved, and my parents were not big churchgoers. And to my parents, religion was pretty much just like it. Religion was not a relationship. But every night I would always pray, you know, the basic prayers, let your will be done. Jesus be with me. Um, but it's just more idle in prayer life. It didn't really get till going to after me and Sonny met when we got engaged, where I started really going to church routinely. And it slowly built up from there. Um, and we were good, strong believers even after we got married, going to church all the time. Um, Mark, um, Carl was born healthy. Everything was going good. And, uh, but then, of course, after Mark, Marcus was a surprise. And you know, we didn't know about his, how his hands and feet were designed until after he came out. But with prayer and God's grace, we, everybody knows, for most part, everybody here knows Marcus, how he, he functions just fine. But anyway, after he was born, we, that's when we really started getting up routinely early in the morning to start praying. It started 10 minutes at a time. For me, that was hard. Back then, it was hard. Even the 10 minutes seemed like 10 hours at first. But then it grew, you know, it then became more like a fellowship, had our good cup of coffee in the morning, talking and planning and sometimes even arguing in the morning. But the prayer did work and, and it definitely worked with our boys' lives in there. But to really see how, I, how what I prayed about, for most y'all know me, as a young kid, my all-time dream before I could talk, I knew I wanted to be a pilot. That was it. I want to be an airline pilot. In the moment, I was probably two or three years old. And my dream was, of course, to fly the big ones for Delta Airlines here in Atlanta. And my all-time dream was to fly for Delta and to work the Atlanta to Frankfurt Germany flight. Because as a kid, I used to go to Germany every summer. So this grew from there. That was my plan. And then, but, you know, God's plan is always different. But that was my plan. And back in 1995, I started work for Delta Airlines at the college site at Clayton State. And that grew into a great job. When I, um, I was there for almost seven years, I became a corporate analyst. And at that time, I had a great Monday to Friday job with the airline, which is very hard to get. And, but that wasn't my dream. So I eventually, you know, I made a great network, great contacts. So, oh, yes, I want to get this. And the bag is going really great. 
My plan was to fly for one of Delta's regional airlines. Some of y'all might remember it was called Atlantic Southeast Airlines. It's a different name now, but my dream was to fly for them out of Atlanta and eventually go to Delta. Well, in July of 2001, I took a leave from Delta to go start my flight training down in Vero Beach, Florida. And then um, as I was getting ready to finish up my first stage, we all know what happened on September 11th of 2001, which I pretty much messed up every plan that there was. So we were praying and praying whether we should even continue on or bail out because it was a lot of, took a huge loan to do this flight training. Well, we stuck with it through prayer with her support. I was able to get all my training done, came back up, became a flight instructor, did that for about two years. But it um, wasn't until, actually I was, I interviewed with ASA finally in 2004. Yeah, it's either late 2004 or early 2005 and they told me no. So that was blow one, boom. Well, in June of that same year, I interviewed with another airline. Back then it was called Pinnacle. Airlines, which was a Northwest Airline theater. Well, they did not have an Atlanta base. They just had Detroit, Memphis, or Minneapolis. And I went to Detroit. And it was, it was going good. But then about two years later, as I was there, they got a contract to fly for Delta Airlines. And then they did open Atlanta base. And then I, went, I was in the first group the first officers to go to the Atlanta base, which I said, yes, this is great. And um, I did move up quick. I wound up being the number fifth FO on the seniority list first for that officer. year. First officer. Lingo. Yeah. <laughs> and in an ASA, that would I would have never reached that point, being that high up on the seniority list. And with that seniority I had at Pinnacle for those years in Atlanta, I was, I never had to work a weekend or had to work a holiday. And so at the beginning when the Carl and Marcus were toddlers, I was there for the first birthdays, the first walks, the first talks, the first important stuff. And again, if I went to ASA, that probably would not have happened. So God's plan is always better than our own. I wound up staying with Pinnacle Airlines for 11 and a half years. It took me about five years to upgrade to the captain. That's the ones who sits in the, the left seat. Well, as a captain there, I never got back to Atlanta. I had to go to New York for a little bit, then went back to Detroit, and then back to, uh, to New York again, because in 07 to 010, when everything was starting to come to a halt, everything kind of slowed down. Um, so I actually upgraded in 2010 as a captain there. And it literally, it really has its ups and downs in that career. And during that time period, we merged with two other airlines. So Pinnacle became what is now known as Endeavor Air. And after that all smoothed out, everything started going good again. And then the airlines started hiring again. So I did have, I did have several interviews, whether you believe it or not. I was, I interviewed with JetBlue, a great, good airline out in New York. Um, went very well. I made it to their phase two, which, oh, I, okay, I think I got this because all my friends who are there, they said, if you get to this stage, you're pretty much in. You know, there's only 5% of people who don't make it. Well, guess what? I was one of the 5% that didn't make it. So that was just a huge blow. But then again, we kept on praying for God's will to be done. 
And during this time period, you know, everybody always told me, especially when I was jump sitting back and forth commuting, all the pilots said, you know, at some point in your career, every pilot gets furloughed from an airline. That's just how it's always been. So my prayers started changing from, Lord, let me get the Delta fly for and work that land freight for Germany route. And then especially after having the boys, I said, you know what? Let my prayer be, I never want to get furloughed. I'm going to be able to fly until I'm 65 years old and never, I can actually say, I never was furloughed from my job. That became more important, even if it meant staying at the regional airlines. And for most of us who fly, the regional airlines is not where you want to stay your whole career. It's great. It can be really good, but that's just not where we plan to, plan to be. Well, I did other interviews um, with Spirit, Frontier. They all told me no. And then finally, my big shot came at Delta in July in um, 2014. I studied hard, and it didn't go well. It did not go as planned. So, again, you know, our plans, God's plan is always better. And so that was a huge blow that really, we cried some tears of that because that was a big dream that was totally gone. Buried. But we kept on praying, saying, Lord, this like your will be done. Keep blessing Endeavor Airlines while I'm here and everybody else who's there. Well, in July of 16, I did get a chance to change airlines. I went to an airline called ABX Air, which used to be Airborne Express. I don't know if any of y'all know who they are. But um, they fly the DHL and Amazon freight cargo. And at first, when I was there, it felt like a huge mistake. I was like, what did I do to myself? I was sitting good at Endeavor Air as a captain, fairly senior, making decent money, sleeping at night. And now I'm going to this very small airline, and I couldn't sleep in the day, at, during the day. Because most of the for night, for, you know, it's most of it's night cargo. And then the backside of the clock is very hard on your body. I couldn't sleep. I was up for days at a time without sleeping and working on top of that. I was in Miami one time on a layover, and I called up Sonny. I don't know, sometime in the afternoon, I couldn't sleep. I was like, I'm done. I'm going to pack my bag and come home. And I'll just take my steps back and go back to Endeavor. And she was like, no, let me pray for you. Try to relax. So she prayed. I relaxed. I didn't really sleep good that day, but a couple of days later, I started dozing off two hours here, three hours there. And I was able to start sleeping better. And eventually I worked, I could figure out how to switch my schedule around, good, good day flying. And then eventually I started holding all the good day flying trips. And um, Apex wasn't bad, great pilot group, made some good friends there. But we always prayed, you know, bless it. It'd be a great place. If this is where you want me to be, then bless it and help become a great airline because it had always had great potential. And uh, it was okay. And I was there for about two and a half years. And my scenery moved up quick there. Everything kind of started out for a little while, but I started getting good flying. But then again, and that wasn't my all-time dream was wind up there so we always kept praying lord if this way it may be let it turn out great and if not let your will be done well at abex 
during my training phase, you know, I made some good friends there. There's only 10 of us in that class. And two of them I became very good friends with. And two of those guys went to UPS. And in, I want to say the end of 2017 or begin January of 2018, I put my application in at UPS Airlines. Didn't hear anything at all. My two friends I made at ABEX wrote me two good letters of recommendation. So finally in June of 18, I finally got a phone call from UPS Airlines. So, hey, you know, we want to, are you still interested in working here? But I did a phone interview. Yeah, sure. It went very well. They said, okay, we'll call you in a few weeks for the, the face-off, the face interview. Well, that finally happened in August of that year. And it went well. And during the interview process, this, the, the face-off is about an hour and a half. And we've been praying about this. Late year will be done. And UPS is big on community service, what you do to give back. They're like, you know, Mr. Ray, we see you're very highly qualified. You have a ton of hours. You have experience on the heavy aircraft, but what sets you apart from everybody else? You know, what, what's your, what do you do besides flying? I said, well, that gave me a chance to talk about Sonia's Harbor Hope, how we helped start that, and what that does for ladies going through the breast cancer, the, the survivors. And the HR lady, she jumped on that, on the interview process. And that was most of my interview right there. I was talking about Sonia's cancer fights, Harbor Hope. And it was a very relaxed, very smooth interview. And about another month, about a month, another month went by, didn't hear anything. I finally got the letter, congratulations, you're in the pool to go to UPS. And you're in, this is when they start putting all your background information. And I finally got a phone call again. This is, this is, it took about a six month process to do all this. So finally in November of 2018, they were like, they, I finally get a phone call saying, okay, we got you finally, this is your conditional offer. That's when they start pulling your background information from, from other airlines. And that's your anticipated class date should be January 4th. So, okay, great. Well, a month. October, we went to trace. Yes. In October of that year, we went to Trace Diaz. And my number was number eight. They get those little stones with a number. My number was number eight. And Sonia's was number eight. Oh, yeah, and we didn't know that until after the fact. But we knew it was new yeah. beginnings. New beginnings. Yeah, were new beginnings were coming. And so I didn't hear anything. December came. December 1st came, December 2nd came, December, th I never heard anything yet. I said, I might want to do a follow-up. So around December 10th, I think I called and the lady said, well, yeah, we got your background information from ABEX, but we haven't got your information from your previous airline before that, which was Endeavor. I said, oh, well, let me see if I can get in touch with somebody and see if they, if they got it. I called, I finally got through with somebody at Endeavor and they say, oh, we never got a request from UPS. So, oh, well, let me call them back mm -hmm. and <laughs> touch face with them. 
So I called back with the HR lady. She goes, oh, well, let me resend it. And she goes, well, since that might put a damper on your January 4th day, we're going to slot you for January 28th class day. And somebody wasn't happy with that one. I had number but, eight. That was new beginnings, uh -huh. new beginnings, new year, new month. I was not about to have this on. Like, we're going to yeah. pray. Yeah, we prayed and prayed, Lord, this so you will be done, which is fine. That's 28th. That's fine. But we prefer the 25th, January 4th class. Well, about two days later, she finally said, hey, we, we finally got it. Your stuff's being processed. Well, that was, that's the last th thing I heard from them. Well, on December 27th of that in 2018, which that was that's my birthday, I was commuting up to Cincinnati to start my trip with ABEX. And just as I was getting off the airplane in Cincinnati, my phone was ringing. I thought, that's science, because she was asleep when I left in the morning. She's calling and wishing me happy birthday. I picked it up and I said, oh, it's 502 Erico. That's the Louisville Erico, which that's where the UPS Airlines is based. I said, oh, this is going to be my January 24th class date, I guess. And I answered the phone and I said, you know, Mr. Ray, congratulations. We just want to give you a confirm offer if you're still interested. I said, oh, absolutely. I'm still interested. And they go, well, we see you were originally for the 20, January 4th class, but possibly the January 20th, but now maybe the January 24th class. They're like, well, we still have a few spots left for the January 4th class. Do you want it? I was like, Absolutely, I want it. And that gave me, you know, less than two-week notice for ABEX, but they understand. You know, they're, they're used to people coming and going. So, I actually, I started working for um, started my training class with UPS in January of 2019. January 4th. January 4th. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was the year January 2019 is when I started there. And um, the first year, I went by quick. And then you're know, starting the second year is when the nice pay raise comes in. And then everything was starting to look really good. But then the pandemic hit last year. Like, man, what is this going to do to the whole industry? You know, because other airlines were talking about layoffs, cutting flights. Well, at UPS, it had the opposite effect on us. We went, we added over 300 flights within a month of that time. And we were one of the few airlines still hiring during all this. And when I applied, when I started with UPS, they said the the number of applications on file was 7,000, which is a good bit. But last year, after the pandemic hit, they went from 7,000 to 35,000 applications on file. And God had answered the prayer. And God had answered that prayer. So I was turned down by all these airlines like Delta, Southwest, JetBlue. They even got a phone call from Spirit. All of, and all of them told me no. And looking back on it, I tell people as a joke, you know, I should send them a thank you letter, a thank you card for telling me no. Because I, if I, because if I went there, I possibly could have been furloughed. And my big prayer was again, like I said, it turned from working for Delta to being never being furloughed in my career. So God's plan is always better than our plan, our plans. And how this kind of affected the community was, well, we always prayed for the airlines. I'll get to, I'll get to it. Oh. We always prayed for the airline I was at and the ones that I've been at. And Endeavor eventually is now, and we always still, to this day, we still pray for that airline and bless the people who are there. 
And now that particular airline is one of the top regionals that people want to go to, to fly for. ABEX is, is still ABEX, but they just signed a new contract. From what I hear, things are going better over there. So we always pray for these airlines. And also how we, it impacts the culture where we always pray for um, Science Harbor of Hope. Um, they help out women, if y'all know, with the breast cancer survivors. And also when Sonia, um, she, she stops and prays. Like we were in um, Crackleberry. We came, we went up to do the Spartan race in North Carolina last weekend. And uh, we went to go eat at Cracker Barrel. And this uh, one lady, you could tell, you know, she was bald. She had a, the breast cancer shirt on. So I immediately ran over to her, started praying for her right there. And um, there was five of us, you know, we, Marcus had a friend with us over at, that went with us. And they wound up paying for our lunch that day. So there was a huge impact. And I'm going to turn it over just for a little bit about our family life uh, for Power of Prayer. We also do our family devotions. We try to get it on early in the day because that's how it gets done better. Because at night, everybody's tired. Cranky. The boys never want to sit still. For those who know Carl Marcus, they just always want to be on the go and go. But we do it. It's challenging. It's still, it's still challenging. And, but it's, um, they don't, they don't, the boys don't always be still at all. But our family devotion does turn into good times of laughter, confirmations, and, um, and it just is a good family time. And that's my part. <laughs> so I'm so proud of my husband. <laughs> this is what huge. Thing? This is like a, for Danny to stand here, um, you know, I've been doing this for years. So even though I still get nervous, I'm, I'm more comfortable. But this is an answer prayer. My prayer has been for a long time that we get to minister together. And uh, so I'm proud of you, honey. <laughs> All right. So now goes my part. No, no. You know, that's that's his experience, you know, seeing God work through his career and, and all the tears that we shed and all the prayers that we prayed and all the prayers that we thought were not answered. And um, when I pouted and told God, you know, I prayed for Delta It's right here down the street. Why? You know, because we let's be real. We all I, I mean, I know we've, I've had those moments with the Lord and um, and I'm standing early February in my closet right when you started to, to hear about COVID and I'm standing in my closet and the Lord whispered and said, this is the reason. Danny did not go to Delta and I fell on my knees and I had to repent because all of the no's, we thought it was the enemy fighting us. We thought that, you know, and it was God open doors and answering prayers, even when we didn't know he was answering a prayer. So that's his experience. That's what he wanted to share. And, you know, glory to God for open doors, you know, and one of the things that we've in closed doors. Yes. And, and, and one of the things that we always prayed is that, you know, that the Lord will bless us financially and that we can be a blessing to those around us. And through this season of his career, we have seen that happen in, in that answered um, prayer. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of my background. Um, I grew up in church. Oh, I want to read uh, Matthew 18, 19. And it says, again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. 
So again, we come back to the praying together, agreeing together as, as husband and wife. Um, I grew up in church. Um, our religion was a list of do's and don'ts. You know, that's just how it was. Church was boring. My mom dragged me to church, which I'm so grateful for. Um, I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I believe that the word of God was being planted as my mom dragged me. Uh, my mom is an intercessor. I ask her sometimes, how did you raise three kids without knowing English? Because I came here, we were all teenagers. She didn't speak English and our friends didn't speak Spanish. We weren't hanging out with the best crowd, you know? And I'm like, how did you raise three godly human beings, because we're all serving the Lord. And she said, I stayed on my knees. And that is always her answer. I stayed on my knees and I prayed and I prayed. Say what? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, then I met Danny and going to church again in my house was not an option. You just had to go. So Danny, I guess he really, really liked me. So he's like, okay, I'll go to church with you, <laughs> you know? And then we got married and we just went to church because that's what you did every Sunday and every Wednesday. You just went to church. But there was no deep relationship with God. There was no really closeness with the Lord. That is. But again, I believe that as we go and we have gone, the word is, is getting planted and planted and planted. And um, as he shared, when Marcus was born, um, I personally had to make a decision. Am I going to run from God or am I going to run to God? Like, what is going to be my option? Am I going to put into practice everything I've heard in Sunday school all these years? So I'm going to just get mad at God and, and turn my back on him. And, and of course, the best solution is to run to God in moments of trouble. Um, and we were told um, those, you guys know Marcus, he doesn't have any toes. He only has one finger on each hand. And um, we were told all of the lists that the gene mutation had uh, for Marcus, he was not going to have any teeth. Um, he wasn't going to sweat. He would always have to wear a cooling vest um, to keep him cool, especially in the hot, hot summer days, or he would pass out. Um, they, um, man, it was such a list of all these horrible things. Um, we didn't know if he was going to walk, much less run, because of course, toes balance everything. Um, and just all these lists of horrible things. And I made a decision to begin to get up about six o'clock in the morning and just pray. And man, 10 minutes, like Danny said, seemed forever, you know, and then time begins to go by and you begin to develop the relationship. And, you know, so um, when I got diagnosed, I think Marcus was about three years old and I got diagnosed the first time with uh, the very form, very aggressive form of breast cancer. Um, I, I, I had found comfort in, in God when Marcus was born. So I knew what my source was. So immediately I began to get up at five you know, and begin to pray and spend time with the Lord. Um, during those, those hardest times is when I've really experienced God in a very special way. So I began to get up at five and I began to pray and all of a sudden an hour, two hours didn't seem so long anymore. Um, and, and it was something that I would yearn for something that I would desire. Like when you, you know, your younger years, when you were dating and you met somebody and you just wanted to be with them and talk on the phone with them all the time and all this stuff, that's just kind of, I wanted to be there and, um, not sure when this happened, but Danny started to get up and, and pray with me. Um, he did uh, tell me, do not wake me up at five. 
but you can wake me up at six. <laughs> so I would get up at five. I would have my own quiet time. And then at six, I would run up there and, you know, wake him up. And, and he just always, I'm so grateful because he, he did have that willing heart to come down and sit and, and just pray together, talk together. Um, a lot of the times, like you said, you know, it was some intense fellowship. You know, sometimes we talk, um, sometimes we fought. Um, we definitely prayed. We read the word. And, you know, it's hard to be mad at somebody when you have to pray with them or when you know you you're going to pray with them. It's really hard to stay mad. And because you know what is what is it that God expects of you? You know, you can't be saying a prayer and then be mad at each other. So, you know, you you have to you have to make up, you know, but as a married couple, we we believe that praying together has has a lot of, of power in the spiritual realm. Um, it's done a lot for our marriage, you know, for our intimacy as a married couple, you know, it's, it's great. Um, and just to be able to talk about the kids, pray for the kids is very specific because everything is quiet in the morning. The kids are still asleep. You know, we get to have coffee. We get to talk. Um, many, many tears were shed over this career. Many tears were shed over Marcus when he was born with all of these supposedly issues. Many tears were shed. Um, you know, when I was diagnosed, I remember sitting at the kitchen table and we were both praying six o'clock in the morning and crying out to God. And then we will wipe our tears when we hear the kids coming down. But that time would give us the strength to face the day, to face the challenges that were coming with whatever we were facing during a certain season. And um, I tell you, really, Danny and I are married because we have chosen to put God first. Um, I am not the easiest person to live with. <laughs> I have a very strong personality, but you know, it's been God's grace and my husband's grace and unconditional love really that, um, that has kept us together. And one of the things that we have found out, I'm a visual learner. So one of the things we have found out is that this has really worked for us. Um, Danny spends a lot of time, you know, flying and gone. Um, so when he is gone, he spends his quiet time with the Lord. And I spend my what quiet time with the Lord. But when he's home, like right now, he's home for two weeks straight. We are very intentional. We don't want to get up in the morning. It's not easy, but we are very intentional about setting down. And actually today he told me last night, I said, what time do we get up? He's like, you can make it 545. Yes. So when I'm on the road, I always have to get up early. <laughs> Six, you know, or early or sometimes. So when I'm home, it's the only time I actually get to sleep past six. Or sometimes he has to fly at night, so he's awake, you know. So we have found out that, you know, God is, of course, at the top. He's the pinnacle. And then um, Danny is on this side, you know, and I'm on this side. And as we individually have our own time with God, you know, we get closer to him, but we also get closer to each other. And we have really found out that this works for our marriage. And this is something that works, you know, for us. And um, Genesis 2.18 says, it is not good for men to be alone, that he will make a helper suitable for him. Um, I believe, well, I already shared that with you. Um, but, you know, there's, there's been times that I have been really, really down and Danny will come and encourage me and pray for me and lift me up and cheer me on. And then when he has been down, I do the same for him. So this scripture, you know, just, it's not good to be alone. It's, 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 it's good to be together. And, um, if, 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 13 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if they lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So, again, we just encourage each other and help each other um, and just praying together all these years. How many years do you think we've been praying together? Marcus was 13, 14, 13. Oh, my God. So probably, yeah, right. We right. Did extra brand after car we so. Um, it's been a while. Um, so, um, the airline industry that Danny has shared with you guys, it's really been a, a roller coaster. Um, it's almost like you have to take two stops, two steps back and, and, and one step forward. And, um, there were many times where, you know, there wasn't much money at all. We really have survived by God's grace and the help of both of our parents, really. And um, some of the prayers that we have seen come to pass over the last, um, you know, and, and I know I, we can probably get really deep and all of this stuff, but we just wanted to share our testimony and our experience. Um, we didn't even have money to fix our cars. So we would always pray that our cars would last, that they would never break down, yeah. that, um, you know, that we will need to take them to mechanics and things like that. And as you guys, you know, some of you know, we have had cars that, Mm -hmm. And they don't need repairs. I mean, we really don't have to take them to the shop. We have seen that prayer answer over the years. Um, um, what else? There's, there's just been, you know, Harbor of Hope is really um, an answer to prayer too. And, and that's how we impact the community and impact our, our culture because through that foundation, the whole family gets involved. Um, we help, um, you know, when there's events and things like that, they'll come. They'll help. The kids will come. They'll help. Um, they'll load things, unload things. They'll raise funds. They're very involved. Um, so even as a family, we get to help the community. There's another foundation that um, I've started doing things for called Thumbs Up. The whole family gets to minister together too. the kids pray for the kids, the husband for the husband, the parents. You know, when people are diagnosed, um, we have a family coming Sunday to our house. Um, 36 year old uh, young lady. Um, pretty similar story to mine. Danny will minister to the husband and Carl and Marcus will talk with the kids. And, you know, I get to talk to her. Um, those are some of the things that we believe that, you know, that are impacting the community here locally. Uh, we've become more aware. Um, the kids really used to roll their eyes because they're like, okay, there goes mom again. She's going to pray for somebody. We got to go. You know, we got to do this. We got to do that. But they've really um, have become aware and, and they are, you know, they are seeing how really being intentional about stopping and praying for people and praying with people. And, you know, I remember they used to come early on and tell me about Mr. Gary. Mom, ah, Mr. Gary, stop in the middle of this and did that and pray for such and such. You know, and I'm like, you know what? That's something we can do, too. You know, we, we can just do it. Um, um, what are the that we, I can think of. I mean, I think that's really it. Danny shared on our um, family devotion time. I wish I could tell you that it was always perfect and uh, beautiful. And we all sit around the table and sing Kumbaya and, 
And it's really, <laughs> and it's really not. I have found that um, the enemy is really targeting families. And that's why we are just bolder and very intentional about sitting down as a family and praying together, even if it's just the verse of the day talking about it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of laughter, especially when they were little. Sometimes they will get into these laughing you know, streaks. And it's like, are we ever going to get to pray? But then sometimes it does turn into a battleground and, you know, but I'm like, the enemy's not going to win. We are going to pray as a family and being intentional, um, about praying as a family. And, um, I think that's it. I think that's it for us, really. So just grateful to the Lord that he's laid that on our hearts. And actually this morning, um, we were talking and, 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 and praying together. And, um, I just felt that the Lord said, um, to begin to ask for revival in our prayer time as a couple. So we're going to start that. Amen. Amen.